from Red Bull. This is Beyond the Ordinary. Hello, my name's Nick Bright, and on this episode of Beyond the Ordinary, we have an amazing article from the Red Bulletin. It's the story of Nirmal Persia, an ex-British Special Forces soldier who scaled all 14 of the world's 8,000-metre-plus mountain peaks in just six months. For context, the previous record was nearly eight years. Nirmal set his record using supplemental oxygen, but regardless, his achievements have changed the face of mountaineering forever. Tom Guys and Matt Ray tell his story. In 2017, the Gurkhas undertook an expedition to summit Everest. For the elite brigade of Nepali soldiers, it was a pilgrimage of great significance, a celebration of 200 years of allegiance to the British crown and their second attempt at the world's highest mountain after their 2015 mission was aborted when the fateful Gorkha earthquake triggered an avalanche that wiped out base camp and stranded most of the climbers at Camp 1. Now, this expedition was also in jeopardy. Unpredictable weather meant the official rope-fixing team had yet to fix a route to the summit that year. No one could ascend. I was like, wow, says Nirmal Persia, known as Nims to his friends, who was at the time a 35-year-old member of the Gurkha climbing unit. Everyone thinks, as a Gurkha, you are not only the bravest of the brave, but that Everest is in your back garden. Our reputation was at risk. But secondly, when were we ever going to get another chance to climb Everest using British taxpayers' money? I decided to lead the fixing team. When word spread around camp about his plan, there was one reaction. Does he have a clue what he's doing? Nobody knew who I was, recalls Persia. So I led 13 members of the expedition to summit, the first team to make it from the southern side that year. We came back down into Kathmandu and celebrated with a week of partying. Then I climbed Everest again. Then Laozi and Makalu, the world's fourth and fifth highest mountains, all in five days, with two days of partying in between. These days, people know who Persia is. In 2019, he scaled all 14 8,000ers, the official designation for mountains that exceed 8,000 metres in height in the fastest time he could. The record stood at 7 years, 10 months and 6 days. Persia planned to do it within 7 months. He achieved it in 6 months and 6 days. It propelled the Special Forces soldier, the first Gurkha to ever be accepted into the UK Special Boat Service, into the mainstream spotlight. It also brought criticism from Alpine purists, in particular for his use of supplemental oxygen. I only do that on the final peak. I climb, setting a fixed line, everything without oxygen up to Camp 4, he retorts. People were saying, oh, Nims did Nepal mountains because he can use helicopters to the base camp. I said, okay, fine. So I climbed all the Pakistan mountains without any helicopters running from base camp to base camp. 23 days, buddy. All five 8,000 metre peaks. I have no problem with critics. If someone breaks my record, I'll be the first to shake their hand. But it's easy to just say it. 
please write that when Nim said that, he said it with a smile, okay? Persia's words may read as defiant, but in person he gives off a different energy, a restless cockiness that draws people in rather than repels them. Sitting in a hotel room at the base of Mont Blanc, where he spent the summer vacationing, he's all smiles. Muscular, as you'd expect, but diminutive at 170 centimetres tall, the gentleman explorer moustache Persia sported during 2019's Project Possible missions has been shaved off to reveal a boyish face that belies his age. I'm 38, but to be honest, I don't really know how old I am, he says. Wikipedia also has trouble, putting it at 36 to 37. If this self-consciousness is surprising, it's just one of many contradictions that penetrate the myth that is Nim's Persia. For example, the stereotype that a Nepalese climber benefits from a life raised at high altitude. I grew up in Chitwan, which is the flattest and warmest part of Nepal. It's almost sea level. We were a really poor family in a small house with chickens next door. I didn't even have flip-flops. That changed when my two brothers got into the Gurkhas. Wanting a better life for their sibling, Persia's brothers sent him to boarding school, where, by his own estimation, he excelled. I used to be top five. I could have been first, but I'd finish a two-hour exam in an hour so I could be first to leave the test room. But I didn't want to be a doctor or an engineer. I had two options. One was to be the Robin Hood of Nepal, seeing off those rich people who don't pay tax, you know, politicians and all that, and distributing that money to the poor. He chose option two, the Gurkhas. Getting in was tough. In my time, 32,000 young Nepalese applied and only 320 made it. I started training at 15, in a hostel. I'd wake up at 3am and run with weights strapped to my legs. I had no clue what that did, but I used to go back to bed at 5am and pretend I hadn't left. I passed the selection on my second attempt. Persia's time in the armed forces is time he is deeply proud of. He joined the Gurkhas in 2002 and moved to their UK Infantry Training Centre in Catterick and the Special Boat Service in 2009. But for every detail he isn't willing to reveal, what he can say is he's been shot and he's been in some of the most sensitive operations across the globe. He is candid about one aspect. I had what others didn't have. I could climb an 8,000 metre peak in two weeks. When I got leave, I'd empty my savings and go climb. Indeed, when Persia finished partying after his five-day tour of Everest, Lao Tzu and Makalu in 2017, he had to go straight back to work. I was supposed to get a heli ride to a special forces mission, but the heli didn't come because of the weather, so I ran all the way from base camp. Six days worth of trekking in 18 hours, running through the night. At that point, I realised, I think I've got something. That something, 
even his fiercest critics would agree, is an incredible capacity for recovery. It usually takes weeks of living at a high-altitude base camp to acclimatise to the low-pressure air as your body compensates, increasing the haemoglobin levels, the protein that absorbs oxygen, in your red blood cells. Only then would you attempt an 8,000-metre-plus summit, and you'd need weeks to recover. When Persia returned to Everest, Lautzi and Makalu for Project Possible in 2019, he summited all three in 48 hours and 30 minutes. My recovery time is really rapid, he agrees. It's a mindset. I love what I do to the bone. And I'm having so much fun that all that tiredness goes away. And at 8,000 metre peak, that's where I come alive. I don't lose any of my strength. That is my playground. Persia hadn't even worn a pair of crampons before the age of 29, first summiting 6,119 metre tall Lobuk East in Nepal in 2012, without any prior mountaineering experience. Two years later, he scaled his first 8,000er, Daulagiri, and discovered his natural ability to thrive at altitude. I climbed that in 14 days without any acclimatization, and I led 70% of the route, he says. But Persia isn't immune to the effects of the death zone, the name given to that space above 8,000 meters, as he discovered on his first ascent of Everest in 2016. I was in camp to carry all my equipment and oxygen. People were taking six weeks to get to that phase. I was doing it in five days, he recalls. As a mountain trooper in the SBS, I knew I couldn't go that fast, but my body was taking it okay. That's when I had a pulmonary edema, fluid on the lungs. It's like drowning. More than anything, I was ashamed. Because I had the knowledge to avoid that, but you don't know where your limit is until you push it. If that attitude seems reckless, Persia sees it differently. It is reckless to many. Even in the special forces, I was known for taking high risks. But risk is not one size fits all. If a base jumper does his stuff, I can't do that. You live in the moment. But that doesn't mean you don't do a risk assessment. It's a thin line between being brave or stupid, living in that moment and getting yourself killed. I want to live in the moment for a long time. When Nims Persia was 13, he decided to swim across one of the biggest rivers in Nepal. I was just in my underwear. I wasn't a good swimmer, but I was committed and got to the bank on the other side, he recalls. Then I was like, fuck, now I have to go back again. As he began his return swim, he started thinking. I remembered stories of people getting attacked by crocodiles. I was so tired. I came to that point where you have to give up. So I did. And I stood up. I found I was in knee-deep water. I thought, thank God. Persia's giving an example of his willingness to test his limits, 
but he's aware it also shows his capacity to perhaps reach too far. In 2018, Persia was appointed Head of Extreme Cold Weather Warfare in the SBS. My job was to learn new climbing techniques and teach that to my fellow operators, he explains. I said to my command, since my job is this and I have so much leave, I'd like 18 days off to climb the world's five highest mountains. It's good for the unit. His superiors were ecstatic. Then they researched what he was planning. They told me, you cannot take the risk. I said, fine. And that's when I decided to leave the job. It wasn't a decision he took lightly. I was the bread earner for my family. Every month, I sent money directly from my paycheck to my parents. My dad was half paralyzed and my mum was living in a room in Kathmandu to be near the medical facility. For me to give up everything now was crazy. My brother called. He said, no Gurk has ever made the SBS. You're the first. You're close to your pension. Why sacrifice that? He was furious. He didn't speak to me for two months. Meanwhile, Persia's plan, which had now become Project Possible, hit a wall. A friend who was leading the financial side said, I'm sorry, I couldn't raise any funding after trying for seven months. I had only two months to raise £750,000. It was hard. Going to every sponsor, begging. I got £1,000 here, £5,000 there, but it wasn't enough. No one believed in the vision. Some said, if you're a badass climber, why have we never heard about you? And I'd say, because I was in the special forces. One guy told me, maybe you didn't get sponsorship because you're not white. It hit me. I said, you could be right. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. In life, there are harder problems, but you solve the problem. So I remortgaged the house. I got the biggest amount I could, 60 grand, and put 10K aside so, should something happen, it would pay the mortgage. I started the mission with 5% of what I needed. I was driving down the M3 one day with tears coming from my eyes. I never cry, but I couldn't stop. All I could think was, why am I doing this project? It was so painful that I just wished an avalanche would come and kill me. But it's not about me. I was doing it for a bigger reason. When embarking on a mission of this scale, Persia says you need a purpose. If I wanted to just break a record, I would have said, it's nearly eight years, I'll do it in seven. But I wasn't trying to be the best. I wanted to show the world what is humanly possible if you put your mind, heart and soul into it. And I wanted to highlight the names of the Nepalese climbers. For the last hundred years, we've been in the background but high-altitude mountaineering, 8,000ers, that is our ground. I felt I needed to do something about this. 
That's what gives me energy. Persia is not of Sherpa ethnicity, but he identifies with the term as used to describe any Nepalese who work in the climbing community. His team consists wholly of Nepalese climbers, not as guides or rope fixers, but as equals. When people climb, they want to use a Sherpa because he knows the route. He can show you the way. I said, you're going to climb that mountain because this is an opportunity for you too. It's equal glory. Then he's also climbing a new peak and next time when he's guiding, he can charge double. Dai means older brother in Nepali. It's the name Persia now goes by and how he presents it in his book, Beyond Possible, One Soldier, 14 Peaks, Life in the Death Zone. On April 23rd, 2019, the Project Possible team summited their first 8,000er, Annapurna in Nepal, widely considered to be the world's deadliest mountain. As they descended, Persia got news that another climber, Singaporean Dr. Chin Boy Kin, had become separated from his team at 7,500 metres. Persia, Mingma David Sherpa, and the third member of his crew, Gesman Tamang, aborted their mission to go back up and rescue him. Chin sadly died in hospital. Two days later, on Kanchenjunga, the world's third highest mountain, they deviated to rescue two more. The stories made world headlines, alongside a now infamous photo Persia took of climbers queuing to summit Everest. As I ticked off the mountains, he recalls, people started donating to my GoFundMe. More crucially, the sponsors started rolling in too. They were finally believing in his vision. If Persia experienced any doubt in his vision, it was at K2, the world's second highest mountain at 8,611 metres. I checked the video of where people had given up, and while I don't take the word of every Western climber, when the top Nepalese climber, who I respect, says, that's impossible, I think, fuck, can I make it? It's fuck. Nearly. Google. Other climbers were waiting, thinking I would fix lines for them, but I didn't have to do this. It would have made more sense to climb nearby Broad Peak, then everybody could be safe, they could all go home. But what I remembered was the UK Special Forces selection. 200 soldiers from the Royal Marines, RAF, Army, Navy, all thinking they're the best, but only four make it. If you listen to those 196 who failed it, you're never going to try. Persia decided to ascend K2 with two members of his team. I said, if we can't make it, we'll come back down. You two will have a rest, and I'm going to take you two up. And if we don't make it, I'll take you two. It's going to be six rotations before I think about giving up. But with just one push, it was done. On July 24th, 2019, Persia's team summited K2, a mountain that still, however, remains unconquered in winter. It's because there's a very short window, explains Persia, when asked why that is. But of course, it's possible, buddy. 
You just need the speed. When Nims Persia, who has been awarded an MBE for his high altitude mountaineering, takes a holiday at Mont Blanc, it really is just that. The highest mountain in the Alps, at 4,808 metres, is a cakewalk for him. Or rather, a flight. He spent the summer learning how to speed fly, a revved up version of paragliding with a faster, lighter wing that can fit into a small backpack used by extreme alpinists. It lets you get down from a summit quickly, but with style, flying right next to the mountain, he explains. Persia's idea of fun is always full on. He enjoys hard rock, particularly ACDC. I always played Thunderstruck on my headset in the Special Forces helicopter, he reveals. And just before the Red Bulletin arrived, he'd broken his tailbone in a hard landing. I rested for 24 hours, then was flying again, he says nonchalantly. You've got to go with the energy. It's like trying to jump off a moving train. If you don't run, you're going to fall. If Persia seems blasé about his process, he's deadly serious about his purpose and has another to add to the list, raising awareness about climate change. I never used to believe in it, he says. But I climbed Amadablam in 2014 and we had snow at Camp 1 to melt and cook food. I went back in 2018 and we had to carry gallons of water from base camp. I realised, oh my God, this shit is real. We are all a part of it. I have this voice and my power of influencing people will grow even bigger. I believe we've got these two next decades to make this change. There's a solution to every problem. This article was taken from The Red Bulletin. Read more at theredbulletin.com.